Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. Hey, we are doing this live for the first time. We thought, you know what? It is the last day of the year. Why not try something brand new and see if we can either knock it out of the park or we're going to fumble. But who knows? It's kind of like in a peek behind the scenes, so to speak. You can't actually see us. Right. But you're going to hear the raw deal, and this is what it's usually like. Absolutely. So, so this is this is episode 65 for us. Sure. We started this a year ago, and this one is called Whispers of Redemption. Uh, we are diving into really some biblical treasures here today. Uh, it's echoes through scriptures. Get ready for a journey that's as intriguing as it is inspiring. We're going to stop first in Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 through 16. Think of it kind of like a detective story where every detail really hints at the bigger picture of redemption. I mean, there's betrayal, there's plot twists. And there's also a lead up to an earth-shaking event. I mean, and this, this is, is in the Bible? This is in the Bible. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, next we're going to zip over to Romans chapter 9, verses 9 to 19 to 33. Here, Paul's going to be doing some serious spiritual gymnastics. So he's really taking on some of those big questions about mm, destiny good. and divine will. So it's really oh. deep. It's challenging. And it might just change the way you Whoa. think. I'm looking forward to that one. There's so many reasons. Then we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. We're going to head back to Psalms. And uh, this is going to be a little breather. Mm. We're gonna, Imagine here just finding a peaceful spot in the middle of a storm. And that's what this psalm is all about. So finding that solid ground when everything else is just shaking around you. How does God always know? He knows. I have he absolutely knows. storms going on in man. So yeah, he absolutely knows. And then we are going to end the adventure today. Yeah. Deuteronomy. We're starting out in Deuteronomy. If this is your first time listening to us, start out Deuteronomy with us and just yeah. hang out for a little bit. We're going to be reading chapters one through three. Picture Moses as the wise tour guide. He's really leading us through Israel's ups and downs, all packed with lessons about hope and new beginnings. And a lot of difficult names. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it all up, right? I always enjoy your reading. Well, I enjoy your reading as well. <laughs> I do. So we are going to just start out now. Right We're going to jump right in. But we're going to jump right into, we normally start off every episode just kind of chit-chatting and talking about what's happening oh, yeah. in life. So what's new in your world this week? I mean, here we are at the beginning of the new week here. We're almost at, we're at the end of the year. What's new in your week this week? What happened? What? Uh... Man, I can report that I had the best Christmas I have had oh. in memory. It was so very, very good. And I'm certainly hoping I can convince my husband <clears throat> to get on board of making the way we did it an annual event. It was a lovely thing. So I have the unexpected bonus. I have a couple little things that weigh heavy, but generally speaking, I don't have that holiday, the holiday blues. I'm not wishing the time could just jump forward to January too. So I've really been enjoying that, but it could also be because we don't have any snow. Yay. I know neither of us I, like snow. Uh, <laughs> no, we, are, uh, we are good. 
<laughs> no, so it's it's been a good week. You've been home. You've been on vacation, not from work. So. I have been home. I've been, yeah. uh, we had a good Christmas with uh, Sam and Katie mm-hmm. uh, and Aiden was out here. Just yeah. had some fun. Yep, we had fun yesterday. with, yep, mm-hmm. we had fun with your family last week. Yeah. Uh, Hannah was out here with Levi and Will. Yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah, it was great. And, and Vanessa and just hanging out on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we had what I affectionately call a black sheep open house and <laughs> anybody and everybody who, um, for whatever reason it was, either didn't have plans for that day or weren't welcome or there's a min, you know a million reasons in life why you may not have a place to go on Christmas Day. Right. So we opened up our house and... It was a joy to just hear all the laughter, seeing the smiles, and just all the conversations between everybody. It was a beautiful day from beginning to end. We had, what, 10, 12 people, something like that here? I think so. Maybe, I think 13, 14 was probably the most at one time. A few came and then left, and then some came, you know, later, and that's exactly how it was supposed to go. A great group, though. Yeah. We had fun. Yes, we did. We the had best. fun. What else in your week? Anything else? Uh, am I forgetting the bow ties maybe? that you made this morning oh, were amazing. Thank For those you. of you who don't know, Heidi, uh, Heidi, and I started out on a little adventure, and it's called Hip Bows. Yes. So if you go to hipbows.com, H-I-P, and then B-O-W-S dot mm-hmm. com, that is our website. We take in the old unused yes, ties. Uh, old grandpa ties, ones that you may think are just kind of ugly and unusable. We take those and Heidi just works her magic. And uh, I'll let you tell a little bit about what what it is you do with those ties. So, So, yes, I have been taking in donations of ties that are just cast offs. Nobody's using them. And I can tell you I hundreds, literally hundreds of ties right now. And I love it. What I do is I take them apart. Ties are often constructed of absolutely wonderful fabrics. I have some beautiful, beautiful, really high quality silk fabrics to work with that would cost me a fortune to purchase the raw materials. So instead of spending all that money, I found a way that through donations of something people were not using anyways, I could simply take something that was unused and make it brand new and beautiful, like a whole brand new life. And Mm. I love the idea of that because it correlates and parallels so many people's lives. And And with your ministry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of that reminder, don't write something off. You know, something new can always, always be made. There is nothing that is impossible to be turned into beauty. And speaking of that, there's a competition going on. (laughs) There are three... I'm not going to call them ugly. Oh, yes. They are challenging for me from a bow tie making point of view, mm-hmm. how to incorporate this these particular ties into a bow tie that looks beautiful. But I'm up for it. Now, the special thing with this bow tie, the finished product, I'm truly going to make it something special, like good um, accessories and the bands, everything about it. It's, it's going to be a uniquely special bow tie and that one's going to actually go to whoever bids highest and it's going to benefit a local nonprofit. I think we were doing a special to us local nonprofit, correct? Very special to yes. us local nonprofit. My 
dear, dear friend, Sarah Seberg, is the owner of Crown Creative Studios, and she is an incredibly accomplished photographer. She made top 25 in art prize this year, and she is, with her nonprofit, going to be offering free photo shoots to women who are facing cancer. And it's an incredibly beautiful thing because my dear, precious, beautiful warrior friend, Mm -hmm. Sarah, is in the middle of her own cancer battle. So I'm incredibly proud of her. And it just makes my heart explode to make her the first recipient Mm. of a kind of a fundraising, a way to just say, we believe in what you're doing and we want to throw some some cash at you. So if you're willing to check it out and maybe help us out and have some fun, I would love it. I think it'd be great. Other than that, yeah, I've been off work all week. It's, oh, yeah. Lazy, been, lazy. I know, just you? so lazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we've, no, we've had uh, we've had a great time, though, mm-hmm. around the house and a uh, good time with the dogs. Yeah. We're still getting adjusted to no nutmeg. Uh, Heidi got me an amazing gift mm. for Christmas. It's this beautiful uh, wood carving that is uh, like a man mm-hmm. kneeling down to like... Uh, just call go over his... call over his uh, dog. And then there's a wooden dog that goes like right into the hands of the mm-hmm. owner. So it's like a it, little interconnected. Right in like it. Well, so sorry about that. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just made to really fit right in together. And it's kind of a, there's just something special about it. And and thank you, Troy. Yeah. Even gave the sweet little doggo a little <laughs> stumpy tail because yeah. that's how Nutmeg was born. So I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, no, it was great. And I got this fabulous, fabulous album. And uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's Prince Purple Rain. For sure. And um, if you know Robert and I at all, Purple Rain is a song that we will stop everything and mm-hmm. dance to no matter what. So <laughs> it's just kind of our thing. So the fact that this man of mine pays attention and and remembers those things because it's far more than an album. It's it's memory. So and you. we got uh, not just an album. I mean, this was a record. Like we have yes. a record player. Yes. And this was like this a, a record. It's uh-huh. vinyl. Oh, it's got a glorious poster. Inside. Oh, in the poster, Prince all in Ooh. white with the ruffled shirt, Ooh. and he's holding. I think it's a bright pink rose in his hand. <laughs> It's, it's because why not? It's why Prince, not? Right? I'm like, I'm going to hang that in my office. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Prince, we oh, love I you. And so, yeah, I, I think, uh, we're ready to rock Are and roll ready? into scripture okay. for sure. I I'm going to so say, ready. I'm going to say a quick prayer and Let's then you're going to take it away in Matthew. So Let's do it. father God, Thank you for this past year. This past year has been great. Like we started this journey a year ago. We had never done one podcast. (laughs) We didn't know really what we were doing, but we knew that we were called to just sit in front of each other and do this. And earlier today, I mentioned to Heidi that we were on episode 65. And I remember her saying, I've just never read the Bible with that Mm. someone that many times. (laughs) And so thank you for giving us that little piece of gold inside of our relationship, Mm -hmm. something that we can bond over, learn from each other over, Mm 
And we hope to share some of that with you. I mean, we never claim to have it all figured out, but we do love Jesus and uh, we love learning and just digging into the scripture. So Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity just to share your word and, and what we know about you and how you've impacted our lives. We love you and we uh, can't wait to just talk to you again soon. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. All righty. Well, we're going to get to it. So I'm reading in Matthew, start in chapter 26. I'm starting at verse one. If you didn't catch it, this may sound a little different than you're used to. We are reading out of the message version. And we are live. This I is know. not edited. This I is know. not nothing. You are getting the raw, That's right. unedited no version. Edits. You're going to get me mistakes and all. That's so right. here we go. Starting at verse one. When Jesus finished saying these things, he told his disciples, you know that Passover comes in two days. That's when the Son of Man will be betrayed and handed over for crucifixion. At that very moment, the party of high priests and religious leaders was meeting in the chambers of the chief priest named Caiaphas, conspiring to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. They agreed that it should not be done during Passover week. We don't want a riot on our hands, they said. When Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot and the money handed out to the poor. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this poor when she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anoint me for burial. You can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. This is when one of the twelve, the one named Judas Iscariot, went to the cabal of high priests and said, What will you give me if I hand him over to you? Mm -hmm. They settled on 30 pieces of silver. He began looking for just the right moment to hand him over. I wonder in context how much 30 pieces of silver really was. I Because I don't feel like it was a lot. Right, right. It was just such a small amount yeah. for a life. He knew, right. you know, what was going to happen. You know, did he know that the end result would be death? Or did he just make like, oh, maybe a scourging in some jail and then... Do you think that there was... Do you think that there was jealousy on Judas's part? Like maybe he felt uh, looked over. Maybe he felt, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's just because I just look for, I know, I just look for like motivations to like, mm -hmm. why would you want to do that? To, did he maybe feel like, you know, oh man, he likes Peter way more than, right. than us. You you know, know. Or is it that human nature? You know, I gave up everything. It'd be nice to have a little something a little something comfort yeah or you know i don't know there's a million different reasons we can look at his humanity aspect of why he would betray and basically sell you know our savior mm. and um man to be the one person in history 
<laughs> that got that job. Yeah. And, uh, um, but again, he didn't have to. He didn't have to betray yeah. Jesus. You know, there's that free will thing and, um, he didn't live long after he took his life at his own hand. Right. The weight of what he had done in what he witnessed and saw that he started and set in motion was unbearable to him in a way that I believe nobody here can fathom. Do you think he maybe thought they were just going to rough him up? Maybe, I, you know I, what I mean? Like, oh, they're going to scare him a little right. bit. Right, because they a always release somebody. Right. And he, Jesus was so popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's understandable that that would, you know, it's still horrible because, you know, a scourging isn't just a little, I'm mm -hmm. going to take a ruler and slap your hands. It's a sure. horrible thing. But, um, yeah, it became something else. And the people demanded someone be released instead of Jesus, meaning Jesus was condemned to die for 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> but it had to happen. That it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it did. Uh I am going to bounce up now to Romans. All right. Let's we are it. in Romans yeah, chapter 9, verses 19. All right. I'm ready for 33. the good meaty stuff. So The good meaty stuff. All yes. right. Let's see here. 9, verses 19 to 33. Here we go. Are you going to object? So how can God blame us for anything since he's in charge of everything? If the big decisions are already made, what say do we have in it? Who in the world do you who in the world do you think you are to second guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it saying, "Why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vase?" for holding flowers, and then maybe another into a pot for cooking beans? If God needs one style of pottery, especially designed to show his angry displeasure, and another style that's carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness, isn't that all right? Either or both happens to Jews. But it also happens to the people. It also happens to other people. Hosea put it well. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. Mm -hmm. I'll call the unloved and make them be loved. In the place where they yelled out, you're nobody. They're calling you God's living children. Isaiah maintained this same emphasis. If each grain of sand on the seashore were numbered and the sum labeled chosen of God, they'd still be numbers still, not names. Salvation comes by personal selection. God doesn't count us. He calls us by name. Arithmetic is not his focus. Hmm. Isaiah had looked ahead and spoken the truth. If our powerful God had not provided us a legacy of living children, we would have ended up like ghost towns, like Sodom and Gomorrah. So how can we sum this up? All those people who didn't seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it. How could they miss it 
because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them, like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and they went sprawling. Isaiah, again, gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. Careful, I put a huge stone in the road to Mount Zion, a stone that you can't get around. But the stone is me. If you're looking for me, you'll find me on the way, not in the way. And that, my love, is the end of Romans chapter 9. Isn't that great? I, how often have we said we have been so unprepared for particular passages on particular days and times? Sure. And that was one of them. Mm. That was so profound. And it started when it, I mean, it hit me full force when it said, God isn't worried about numbers. He's just calling your name. Yeah. But he's not counting because he didn't have a set number. Hey, come on, come on, all the names. Come yep. on, yep. come to me. Come I know your me. name. And it, it just kept going more and more mm -hmm. and more. And it just speaks of God's endless love to us. And man, it just. It's good. It is very yeah. good. Very good. Very, very good and very timely for me right now. Yeah. Well, so now we are going to be bouncing back. We're jumping in the Wayback Machine. I mean, we're live, so I don't have all the cool sound effects. And I won't do it because you don't want to hear what I usually do. So my jalopy sounds. But so. we are going to be jumping in the Wayback Machine. You are going to be reading Psalms chapter 62. Now, last week, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, head over, check out episode 60, what was it? 64. Four. So check out 64. We had a special guest oh, read the Psalms and uh, he's, you know, it was Lahai from Africa. Yeah. And um, what just a pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure. We have to do that again. He was excited to be back on again and we would love to. He sent me a beautiful update over Christmas yeah, break here. Great. And we're going to be having some things happening uh, for him here. So we mm -hmm. were just moved by the things that he sent us and uh, we'll, we would love to update you on that, uh, maybe on yeah. another episode. But, we will. Um, yeah. So we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine now. You are rewinding back to Psalm chapter 62? Yes. All right. Yes. Now, we, we're we not that big yet, so we don't have sponsors. But no if sponsors. we did have a sponsor, it'd probably be Kleenex. Um, some sometimes gets me. I can't promise mm. you that will not happen today. Mm. I skimmed a little bit ahead as in I read chapter, uh, verse one yeah, and immediately I'm like, oh, thank you God for that answer. Thank mm. you for that answer. Cause I had just gotten done writing a letter in message to my son who's uh, deployed. Okay. Cause it was sitting, he's sitting heavy on my heart. Yeah. So I'm just going to do a quick pray over my son and um, just pray for God's hand of protection and safety over him. So thank you. Let's read Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Get from David. God, the one in...
need comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle I'm set for life. How long will you gang up on me? How long will you run with the bullies? There's nothing to you, any of you. Rotten floorboards, worm-eaten rafters, anthills plotting to bring down mountains. Far gone in make-believe. You talk a good line, but every blessing breeds a curse. God, the one and only, I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him, so why not? He's solid rock under my feet, breathing room for my soul, an impregnable castle, and I'm set for life. My help and glory are in God, granite strength and safe harbor God. So trust him absolutely, people. Lay your lives on the line for him. God is a safe place to be. Man is man as such as smoke. Hmm. Woman as such a mirage. Put them together, they're nothing. Two times nothing is still nothing. And a windfall, if it comes, don't make too much of it. God said this once and for all. How many times have I heard it repeated? Strength comes straight from God. Love to you, Lord God. You pay a fair wage for a good day's work. Hmm. <laughs> One of the verses that I really liked uh, in there was, uh, it says, God, the one and only. Mm -hmm. I'll wait as long as he says. Everything I hope for comes from him. So why not? I mean, it, it's just, why not? I mean, everything that I hope for comes from him. Why wouldn't I wait? That's, as I was writing that letter to my son, mm -hmm. my heart was just like, I want him home right now. Right now. Yeah. And um, I'll wait as long as God says. Yep. Yes, yes. David, you get me in the field every single time. So, okay. So, are we really done with numbers? Yeah, we are done with numbers. And, and I was just queuing up yes. here some Deuteronomy. I actually found numbers far more interesting and fascinating than I thought going into it. And I'm sorry, Dad, that I felt that way. But I think everybody has this idea in mind is numbers. Oh, all the names, all the tribes, all the yeah. repetition, all the. And there was a lot of that. There was. But when you realize mm -hmm. why, when you understand what God is showing you underneath all of it, there's there's an absolute reason why it is all there. And I also love to see the faithfulness to see these names repeated yeah and they move further up the family line as it just gets longer and longer and longer and uh so i'm gonna challenge you look at numbers just a little bit differently and it's uh it was it was kind of good yeah i'm gonna read the beginning kind of the preface of uh deuteronomy okay. here and then we're going to be reading chapters one through three. So I'll probably read the first one and then maybe okay. pass one off to you. And then I'll take the third All one. Right. I know you've always get to finish up with a lot of words. So. <laughs> All 
All right, so here's kind of the preface of Deuteronomy. If you've never read Deuteronomy, uh, if you've never spent a lot of time in the book, this is just kind of a good overview. The Message Version Bible, too, that we read out of, if you've never uh, read through this, it's really just a paraphrase of the Bible. It is uh, written by Eugene Peterson. Mm -hmm. He is he has passed away. I don't know when he passed away, but uh, it's a great contribution. We always say, though, uh, whatever version of the Bible gets you in the Bible, great. We support that. So mm -hmm. we just do this because it's a little conversational. We like talking a little bit about our life and that sort of thing, and then just throwing a little uh, some of the Bible here, too. So yes. uh, we're happy that you're along on this journey. We with sure us. are. So Deuteronomy is a sermon, actually a series of sermons. It is the longest sermon in the Bible. Now, buckle up here, people. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's not going to be a 30-minute long, <laughs> like a long prayer. Don't worry. I mean, Everybody we're going to break this sermon. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to break this sermon up into lifesavers uh, and lemon drops. Yeah, bite-sized chunks. But yeah, if you need a peppermint, there's no shame in that game. So grab your peppermint. So it's the longest sermon in the Bible, maybe the longest sermon ever. Ever. In the history of her, I don't know. I've sat through some long ones. So. Deuteronomy presents Moses preaching on the plains of Moab with all of Israel assembled before him. It is his last sermon. When he completes it, he will leave his pulpit on the plains, climb a mountain, and die. The setting is stirring and emotion-packed. Moses entered the biblical story of salvation as a little baby born in Egypt under a death threat. Now, 120 years later, eyesight sharp as ever and walking with a spring in his step, he preaches this immense sermon and mm. dies, still brimming with words and life. This sermon does what all sermons are intended to do. Take God's words written and spoken in the past, and take the human experience, ancestral and personal, of the listening congregation, and then reproduce the words and experience as a single event right now, in this present moment. No word that God has spoken is a mere literary artifact to be studied. No human experience is dead history merely to be regretted or admired. The continuous and insistent mosaic repet repetitions of today <laughs> and this day throughout these sermons keep attentions taut and responsive. Live this and now. The plains of Moab are the last stop on the 40-year journey mm -hmm. from Egyptian slavery to the promised land of freedom. The people of Israel have experienced a lot as a congregation, deliverance, wandering, rebellion, war, providence, worship, and guidance. The people of Israel have heard a lot from God. Commandments, covenant conditions, sacrificial procedures, and now poised at the River Jordan, ready to cross over and possess a new land, Moses, preaching uh, his Great Plains of Moab sermon, makes sure that they don't leave any of it behind not so much as one detail of their experience or God's revelation. He puts their entire experience of salvation and providence into present tense. He puts the entire revelation of commandment and covenant into the present tense. And then he wraps it all up in a charge and a song and a blessing 
to launch them into today's obedience and obe- and believing. So mm-hmm. let's go. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know we were about to experience the, the longest, longest sermon. sermon. The <laughs> longest sermon ever. ever. <laughs> That was not a sound effect. That was my uh, announcer voice from, uh, well, you know, when I used to be an announcer. For... I, a lot of people probably thought for sure that was a sound effect. So. I used to be an announcer for the Piddly Wink Pit Stops. And, uh, the Piddly Wink Pit Stops? Yeah, it was, a, it was a golf club that I was a part of. Is this for real? Are you making this up? It was in Piddly Wink, Arizona. Yeah, we called each other the... <laughs> Oh, oh no. <laughs> I guess That's we, we right. shouldn't we shouldn't lie on a Bible podcast. We so. should not. We should. <laughs> My mom is shaking her head like no. Uh, no, you didn't you've ju- never been to Pidlight Lake. Humor that is God created and he fully expects us to use it. Well <laughs> you, I, I just do that more often than others. So God's got angels on it. Yes, he does. On overtime. He can handle you. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 1. Welcome to Deuteronomy. These are the sermons that Moses preached to all of Israel when they were east of the Jordan River in the Arabah wilderness, opposite of Suf, in the vicinity of Paran, Tophel, Laban, Azeroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to travel from Horeb to Kadesh, Bernia, following the Mount Seir route. It was on the first day of the 11th month of the 40th year when Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything that God had commanded him concerning them. This came after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who ruled from Ashtaroth, from Edri. It was east of the Jordan River in the land of Moab that Moses set out to explain this revelation. Moses preaches to Israel on the plains of Moab. He said, Back at Horeb, God our God spoke to us. You've strayed, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. On your way now, get moving. Head up. For the Amorite hills, wherever people are living in the Arabah, the mountains, the foothills, the Negev, the seashore, the Canaanite country, and the Lebanon, all the way to the big river, the Euphrates. Look, I've given you this land. Now go in and take it. It's the land that God promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their children after them. At the time, I told you, I can't do this. I can't carry you all by myself. God, your God, has multiplied your numbers. Why, look at you. You rival the stars in the sky. And may God, the God of your fathers, keep it up and multiply you another thousand times. Bless you as he promised. But how can I carry all by myself your troubles and burdens and quarrels? So select some wise, understanding, and seasoned men from your tribes, and I will commission them as your leaders. You answered me, good, a good solution. So I went ahead and I took the top men of your tribes, wise and seasoned, and I made them your leaders, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, 
officials adequate for each of your tribes. At the same time, I gave orders to your judges. Listen carefully to the complaints and the accusations between your fellow Israelites. Judge fairly between each person and his fellow or foreigner. Don't play favorites. Treat the little and the big alike. Listen carefully to each. Don't be impressed by big names. This is God's judgment that you're dealing with. Hard cases you can bring to me. I'll deal with them. I issued orders to you at the time regarding everything that you would have to deal with. Then we set out from Horeb and headed to the Amorite hill country. Going through that huge and frightening wilderness that you've had more than an eyeful of it by now, and all under the command of God, our God, and finally arrived at Kadesh Barnea. There I told you, you made it to the Amorite hill country that God, our God, is giving us. Look, God, your God, has placed this land as a gift before you. Go ahead and take it now. God, the God of your fathers, promised it to you. Don't be afraid and don't lose heart. But then you came to me and said, Let's send some men on ahead to scout out the land before us and bring back a report to the best route to take in the kinds of towns that we can expect to find. That seemed like a good idea to me, so I picked 12 men, one from each tribe. They set out climbing through the hills, and then they came to the Eskal Valley and they looked it over. They took samples of the produce of the land and they brought it back to us saying, it's a good land that God our God is giving us. But then you weren't willing to go up. You rebelled against God. You're God's plain word. You complained in your tents. God hates us. He hauled us out of Egypt in order to dump us among the Amorites. A life sentence for sure. How can we go up? We're trapped in a dead end. Our brothers took all the wind out of our sails, telling us the people are bigger and stronger than we are. Their cities are huge. Their defenses massive. We even saw Anakite giants there. I tried to relieve your fears. Don't be terrified of them. God, your God, is leading the way. He's fighting for you. You saw with your own eyes what he did for you in Egypt. You saw what he did in the wilderness. How God, your God, carried you as a father carries his child. Carried you the whole way until you arrived here. But now that you're here, you won't trust God, your God. This same God who goes ahead of you in your travels to scout out a place to pitch camp, a fire by night, and a cloud by day to show you the way to go. When God heard what you said, he exploded in anger. He swore not a single person of this evil generation is going to get so much as a look at the good land that I promised to give your parents. Not one. Except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He'll see it. I'd give him, I'll give him his and his descendants the land that he walked on because he was all for following God, heart and soul. But I also got it. Because of you, God's anger spilled over onto me. He said, you aren't getting in either. Your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will go in. Build up his courage. He's the one who will claim the inheritance for Israel. And your babies of whom you said, 
They'll be grabbed for plunder. And all these little kids who right now don't even know right from wrong, they'll get in. I'll give it to them. Yes, they'll be the new owners, but not you. Turn around and head back into the wilderness following the route to the Red Sea. You spoke up. We've sinned against God. We'll go up and fight following all the orders that God, our God, has commanded. You took your weapons and dressed for battle. You thought it would be so easy going into those hills. But God told me, tell them, don't do it. Don't go up and fight. I am not with you in this. Your enemies will waste you. I told you, but you wouldn't listen. You rebelled at the plain word of God. You threw out your chests and you strutted into the hills. And those Amorites who had lived in those hills all their lives, yeah, they swarmed all over you like a hive of bees, chasing you from Seir all the way to Horma, a stinging defeat. You came back and wept in the presence of God, but he didn't pay a bit of attention to you. God didn't give you the time of day. You stayed there in Kadesh a long time, about as long as you had stayed there earlier. And that, friends, is the end of chapter one. Yeah. And so, Heidi, you're going to pick up in chapter one, unless you had something that you wanted to say about one there. No, I think I'm going to really enjoy it. It's almost like a recap of what we have been reading along the way. And now it's just this overview and summary. And... I, I kind of wondered, though, what was it like to be on the receiving end of that, though? <laughs> there oh. was a quick little uh, excerpt from Eugene Peterson. It says, they complained in their tents. Uh, Moses began his Plains of Moab sermon by going over what the people had been doing uh, uh, during their wilderness wanderings. It wasn't their enemies, and it wasn't the forbidding terrain that stretched 11 days into almost 40 years. It was the fact that they complained in their tents. At some time or other, we all find ourselves huddled in our tents of dismal conditions, even desperate conditions. Though we can't choose our circumstances, we can choose how we will respond to those circumstances. We can talk in our tents and find something to gripe about the way that the wilderness generation did, or we could find something to be grateful for. We could give thanks in all things the way that Paul did, and we could definitely do a better job of that. So, Well, aren't you just convicting to I, You know, I just read it, so. I know, know. no, it is, it's good, and we need to be reminded of that. Yeah, it was an 11-day journey. So I think you had asked that throughout this week. You were like, I wonder on a map, like how Right, and I did. Was. I got the yeah. map out and because I knew it was very short. Yeah. Um, I couldn't remember exactly how many weeks, you know, that sure. journey was short right off the top of my head, which I should have, but I didn't. And yeah. uh, But to see just how short that was, but realize it took 40 years 40 years so but uh it sure paints a picture though of yeah. a lot of things so chapter two chapter two then we turned around and went back into the wilderness following the route to the red sea as god had instructed me we worked our way in and around the hills of Seir for a long long time then god said you've been going around in circles in these hills long enough go north command the people 
you're about to cut through the land belonging to your relatives, the people of Esau who settled in Seir. They are terrified of you, but restrain yourselves. Don't try and start a fight. I am not giving you so much as a square inch of their land. A fulfilled promise. Mm -hmm. I've already given all of the hill country of Seir to Esau. He owns it all. Pay them up front for any food or water you get from them. God, your God, has blessed you in everything you have done. He has guarded you in your travels through this immense wilderness. For 40 years now, God, your God, has been right here with you. You haven't lacked one thing. So we detoured around our brothers, the people of Esau who live in Seir, avoiding the Arabah road that comes up from Elath and Ezion Geber. Instead, we used the road through the wilderness of Moab. God told me, and don't try to pick a fight with the Moabites. I am not giving you any of their land. I've given ownership of Ar to the people of Lot. The Emites, monsters, used to live there, mobs of hulking giants like Anakites. Along with the Anakites, they were lumped in with the Rephates, ghosts. That's a bit frightening to think of. I hadn't realized that. But in Moab, they were called Emites. Horites also used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau took over and destroyed them, the same as Israel did in the land God gave them to possess. God said, it's time now to cross the brook Zered. So we crossed the brook Zered. It took us 38 years to get from Kadesh Barnea to the brook Zered. That's how long it took for the entire generation of soldiers from the camp to die off as God had sworn they would. God was relentless against them until the last one was gone from the camp. When the last of these soldiers had died, God said to me, this is the day you cut across the territory of Moab at Ar. When you approach the people of Ammon, don't try and pick a fight with them because I'm not giving you any of the land of the people of Ammon for yourselves. I've already given it to the people of Lot. It is also considered to have once been the land of the Rephates. Rephates lived there long ago. The Ammonites called them Zamzumites, barbarians. Huge mobs of them, giants like the Anakites. God destroyed them and the Ammonites moved in and took over. It was the same with the people of Esau who live in Seir. God got rid of the Horites who lived there earlier, and they moved in and took over, as you can see. Regarding the Abites, who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaphtarites, who came from Kaphtar, known as Crete, wiped them out and moved in. On your feet now, get started. Cross the brook Arnon. Look, here's Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon in his land. I'm handing it over to you. It's all yours. Go ahead, take it. Go to war with him. Before the day is out, I'll make sure that all the people around here are thoroughly terrified. Rumors of you are going to spread like wildfire. They'll totally panic. From the wilderness of Kedamoth, I sent messengers to Sihon, king of Heshbon. They carried a friendly message. Let me cross through your land on the highway. I'll stay right on the highway. I won't trespass right or left. 
I'll pay you for any food or water we might need. Let me walk through. The people of Esau who live in Seir and the Moabites who lived in Ar did this, helping me on my way until I can cross the Jordan and enter the land that God, our God, is giving us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, wouldn't let us cross his land. God, your God, turned his spirit mean and his heart hard so he could hand him over to you, as you can see that he has done. Then God said to me, look, I've got the ball rolling. Sihon and his land are soon yours. Go ahead, take it. It's practically yours. So Sihon and his entire army confronted us in battle at Jahaz. God handed him, his sons, and his entire army to us, and we utterly crushed them. While we were at it, we captured all his towns and totally destroyed them. A holy destruction, men, women, and children. No survivors. We took the livestock and the plunder from the towns we had captured and carried them off for ourselves. From a roar on the edge of the brook Arnon and the town in the gorge, as far as Gilead, not a single town proved too much for us. God, our God, gave every last one of them to us. The only land you didn't take, obeying God's command, was the land of the people of Ammon, the land along the Jabbok and around the cities in the hills. Very good. And that was the end of Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy chapter two. two. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it was just, war is just such a brutal thing. Mm. It's hard to read this history. I mean, it, it just, ugh. but it should hit us that way because the only reason this happens is because <clears throat> of sin. Yeah. We wanted the old free will and this is part of the payment we have to pay. Mm to have that but how is it's hard to read because we're seeing it in the news every day so we yeah. have a visual it's happening in the lands that we're talking about it's yeah, yeah. interesting to me all right now i'm going to be finishing up today mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. deuteronomy chapter three so here right. we go deuteronomy three then we turned north and took the road to bashan og king of Bashan, he and all of his people came out to meet us in battle at Edrai. God said to me, don't be afraid of him. I'm turning him over to you, along with his whole army and his land. Treat him the way that you treated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon. So God, our God, also handed Og, king of Bashan, over to us, Og and all of his people, and we utterly crushed them again no survivors. At the same time, we took all of his cities. There wasn't one of the 60 cities that we didn't take, the whole region of Argob, Og's kingdom in Bashan. All these cities were fortress cities with high walls and barred gates. There were also numerous walled villages. We totally destroyed them, a holy destruction. It was the same treatment we gave to Sihon, king of Heshbon, a holy destruction of every city, man, woman, and child. But all the livestock and plunder from the cities we took for ourselves. Throughout that time, we took the land from under control of the two kings of the Amorites who ruled the country east of the Jordan, all the way to the brook Arnon to Mount Hermon. Sirion is the name that is given 
Hermon by the Sidians. The Amorites call it Senir. Sorry, that was uh, oh, there's a lot of weird little letters all together there. <laughs> it's usually how words are. I know. I was like, what? Because names are, are not yeah. ones we typically no. use here. Yes. We took all the towns of the plateau, everything in Gilead, everything in Bashan, as far as Salica and Idri, the border towns of Bashan, Og's kingdom. Og, king of Bashan, was the last remaining Rathlite. His bed, made of iron, was over 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. Oh. You can still see it on display in Rabbah of the people of Ammon. The giants. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a huge bed. Of the land that we possessed at that time, I gave the Reubenites and the Gadites the territory of the Arar along the brook Arnon and the half the hill of the country of Gilead with its towns. I gave the half-tribe of Manasseh the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's kingdom, all the region of Argob, which takes in all of Bashan. This used to be known as the land of the Raphaelites. Jer, a son of Manasseh, got the region of Argob to the borders of the Geshurites and the Maccathites. He named the Bashan village after himself, Havath Jer, Jer's tent villages. They're still called that. I gave Gilead to Maker. I gave the Reubenites and Gadites the land from Gilead down to the brook Arnon, whose name was the whose middle was the boundary, and as a and as far as the Jabbok River, the boundary line of the people of Ammon, the western boundary was the Jordan River in the Arabah, all the way from the Kinner, the Kinnerth, the Sea of Galilee, and to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea, at the base of the slopes of Mount Pisgah to the east. I commanded you at that time, God, your God, has given you this land to possess. Your men, fit and armed for the fight, are to cross the river in advance of their brothers, the people of Israel. Only your wives, children, and livestock, I know you have much livestock, may go ahead and settle down in the towns. I have already given you until God secures living space for your brothers as he has for you, and they have taken possession of the country west of the Jordan that God, your God, is giving them. After that, each man may return to the land that I've given you here. I commanded Joshua at that time, you've seen with your own two eyes everything that God, your God, has done to these two kings. God is going to do the same thing to all the kingdoms over there across where you're headed. Don't be afraid of them. God, your God, he is fighting for you. At that same time, I begged God, God, my master, you let me in on the beginnings. You let me see your greatness. You let me see your might. What God in heaven or earth can do anything like what you've done? Please let me in also on the endings. Let me cross the river and see the good land over the Jordan, the lush hills, the Lebanon mountains. Mm. But God was still angry with me because of you. He wouldn't listen. He said, enough of that. Not another word from you on this. Climb to the top of Mount Pisgah and look around. Look west, north, south, 
east. Take in the land with your own eyes. Take a good look, because you're not going to cross this Jordan. Then command Joshua, give him courage. Give him strength. Single-handed, he will lead this people across the river. Single-handed, he will cause them to inherit the land at which you can only look. That's why we have stayed in this valley near Beth Peor. That, friends, is the end of chapter 3, and there's a little tiny pause, and it says, When has God refused to give you something that you really wanted? Why do you think God told you no? In what ways did God's no reflect God's faithfulness? So think about these real quick here. When has God refused to give you something that you really wanted? That's number one. Why do you think God told you no? That's number two. And then in what ways did God's answer of no reflect his faithfulness? Good questions to reflect they are on. Good questions. I know I, you know, had my own answers as, as you were asking that, but I was so struck by Moses openly telling the people the cost he had to pay. Mm. You know, he didn't get to go in. And at the very end, before he walked up to die, before his life came to an end, he was pleading please please let me see it like he's it's it's right there yeah it's just right there but god is a keeper of his word mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. god is a keeper of his word and what i love the most about it is moses did get to see and be in the promised land when he came and talked to jesus mm. in the garden yeah on mountain and um i just (laughs) that seeing it with all these israelites then would have paled in comparison to standing in the promised land with jesus and i think that's just it's amazing when you start to remember those things yeah yeah we did it. I Hi. think so. We're live. I mean, oh. I haven't heard what this sounds like yet, so I, I am curious. I I have no idea. It's just a wing and a literal prayer. And <laughs> I mean, you know, and we're here for that. But we're, if this did work, I would love to do this again because this worked. Right. I, I mean, I could make this. A it habit was easy, and, and we just mm-hmm. need to come up with a time and a day, and, uh, and then down and make it happen. Live, so. That's right. Unless uh, we were not pleasant to listen to for whatever reason, we'll take critiques. Also, if if you know, yeah. give us give us feedback, feedback, good, bad, what you like, all that stuff, all this stuff. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have a happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, wherever you're at today, be safe uh, first and foremost. Uh, but also take some time to just sit and reflect. I took some time earlier today after dinner and I was drinking this, I never drink eggnog. And uh, Heidi made me this beautiful little cup of eggnog with whipped cream and it was Nutmeg. it was just perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. And I just sat and looked outside and just thought about like, 
where we were at a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, just the things that we've involved ourselves in this year very intentionally. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you, wherever you're at this year, it doesn't matter if you've got life all figured out, if, uh, you know, if you're just everything is perfect, but just take a second and reflect. Mm -hmm. Reflect on where you've been. Reflect on how you've allowed God to use you. Mm -hmm. Reflect on maybe how you didn't allow God right. to use you. Oh. I know. That's, that's that other mm -hmm. flip side of it, right? Man, um, being human, that just gets in the way. But just look at this past year mm -hmm. and then think about this coming year. What do you want to change? What do you mm -hmm. want to be different? What do you want more of? What really worked for you this year? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do more of that? What are the behaviors that you need to do more of to get more of those results? Right? Mm. So it's really starting to deconstruct and just piece apart. Like, what do I want my year to look like? And start doing intentional things yes. that start leading you yes. towards the direction you want to go instead of just flitting around all willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the year, you're like, how did I get here? Right. Well, it's because you didn't put any thought or intention into, I mean, I'm all about prayer. I'm all about Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we are not an active participant in our life. Right. We do need, we have two feet and yeah. two hands and... Yep. Whatever you've been gifted with, God does expect you to use it. So what gifts do you have that maybe need to be used? Mm -hmm. Whether it's maybe just talking to somebody, coming Sometimes alongside. That gift is something that you don't even believe is your gift. Mm. Because I can say personally, and I'll use myself as an example, um, becoming ordained and preaching a sermon in church was not my idea of a sure. gift I had. Yeah. Like that would have been the very last of the gifts when God was handing them out. <laughs> he'd be like, yeah, Heidi does not get this one. But God, mm -hmm. when God calls you to it, he's using you to speak for him. Yeah. You are bringing his words. And when you give yourself over to him, to be used in that way, you can do the things that you never imagined yourself doing. You're going to find yourself so full of joy mm -hmm. at broadening your horizons and saying yes, like full out yes. I'm challenging anyone who might be listening, run full out towards God and say Yes. Mm. Anything you call me to, I am saying yes to. And then hold yourself to it, no matter how terrifying it might feel. If it is from God, it will be blessed. It, I just, I am so sure of it because I'm a living, breathing example. You are? Of that. That's right. Just put your seat. <laughs> and buckle up. God drives fast sometimes. <laughs> so be safe out there. Yes. Have please. a great New Year's Eve. Yes. We will see you. I, I love the little kitschy. I had somebody say to me, we'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, we're going to do the little kitschy. We'll see you next year. We will. We will see you 2024. Absolutely. It's been a great year. Thank you for the support, the prayers, Mm -hmm. all of it. We hope that you've been blessed by this. And please, wherever you're at, be a blessing. Yes. And be a blessing to others. And uh, just be blessed. They Uh, will know Jesus by how you love people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great night, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.